0: I don't want to pickle, I just want to ride on my motorcycle. Hello and welcome everybody, this is the Nokomoto Podcast, episode 148? I think that's right, I don't know. Hey, I'm your host Moto MotoGP, and here is your other host Swiggy. Yo, and I'm not dead. So, you know, I mean, it was on the table for a minute there. (laughs) Well, it wasn't that bad. A brief explanation of why there was no episode last week. I caught the COVID. Your timing was impeccable. I know, right? The dumbest time to fucking get it. And like four days after I got my vaccination as well. (laughs) (laughs) Lucy sent me a text and she was like, way to beat the odds. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So, yeah, Um, I had the vid. Uh, I was in the hospital with it, uh, actually. Um, I, I was never really in danger of dying or anything. It was like a really intense, shitty flu after days of feeling super shitty. Went to the doctor, doctor sent me to the ER, ER admitted me me to the hospital. They only kept me because they were worried about my oxygen levels, but I probably would have been fine at home. I mean, it would have sucked, but, you know, there we go. But I had plenty of time to listen to every available podcast and get caught up on everything. And yeah, so that's going to bring us to our table of contents here. First thing we're going to do is a bit of a corrections and omissions. There's something very important from the last episode that I need to correct. And then there's something very important from two other podcasts that I need to correct. And then we're going to do Best Worst Bike in the World this week. And then we're going to get caught up on MotoGP. And that'll just do it for this week. Who knows if that's going to run short or long on time, but... Oh, there's a good chance I might run out of breath in this one. Because although I'm definitely way not contagious, I've still got a touch of the COVID. <laughs> and I kind of run uh, low on energy after after a couple hours here. So we're going to see how this works out. So, Swigs, did, you did not listen to... Well, let's... Okay, corrections and emissions here. So, number one in the last episode when we were talking about people getting out of their lanes, I don't know how we didn't get a fucking email about this, but I was saying, what if Suzuki made a two-wheel drive? And then I said, oh, they could just take the TW200 and call it the TWTW. Well, Yamaha makes the TW200. (laughs) So... That was a pretty big oversight. I was so proud of coming up with that, and I just completely blanked that that's a Yamaha. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how we didn't get an email about that, considering how much we talk about the TW200 and how much we fucking love it. But anyway. Okay, so I have a very important correction for some other podcasts. So as I was sitting in the hospital on oxygen listening to the misfits and they came up with their top 10 best bikes list i mean just imagine me just in the hospital bed on oxygen just losing my shit as they're saying just wrong thing now we say a lot of wrong things but this was wrong on an epic proportion scale and then at the end they sort of uh, challenged Cleveland Moto to to make a better list. So I listened to that thinking, you know what? Steve, uh, you know, Steve uh, Phil will fucking take care of me, right? Because I've said on, on any given day, the most credible person in my world is either Miss Emma or Uncle Phil, right? Depends on the day. Well, they both let me down. I, Phil... M- Got it, improved the list, like improved half of the list. And and on that half that he improved, I completely agreed with everything. I was like, yes, everything's right. It was really the second half. Well, no, shit went right off the rails from the number one. Okay. So, okay. Whoa. I have shit to say about this. All right. So the Misfits named like the number one, like best motorcycle of all time and all these are supposedly bikes in a different category or whatever. You listen to those fucking episodes, listen to what they say and then press play on this again, okay? And I'm going to set everything fucking straight. So number 1, the misfit said the Super Cub or the Honda Cub was the best motorcycle in the world for whatever category that is. I like economical little thing, underbone motorcycle, small displacement motorcycle, whatever you want to say. Which is the correct answer? Cleveland Moto decided that the Trail Ninety is somehow better. Excuse me, what? Like how? How? Okay, how? First of all, the Super Cub or Cub, whatever the the C the C seventy Passport, the 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 CT Ninety or the C90 the fucking the the 110 supercar whatever flavor it comes in that's that's way better than this than the Trail 90 go fuck yourself if you think different what the, their big reason was oh it's got it's got the transfer case it's got it's got the that you could you could, you know th- what what this idea that even Honda who does everything knew this was a bad idea they didn't bring it back
1: until the CB-900. And, 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 you- and there it largely served as an additional control that you could accidentally hit to grind your gearbox into tiny metal shavings. Like, it wasn't really a desirable feature. Right. So, here's why... Here's
0: why it, the, the the Super Cub's better. Because it's the best-selling fucking vehicle of all time. Why is the version with your dual-range transmission not better? Well, because it's unnecessarily complicated. When you're going for the best-selling fucking vehicle like ever, you want simplicity. The Honda enclosed chain system. Yes, sim It has a chain. It's lightweight. You get the maximum amount of power out of that 90cc engine to the rear wheel. And because it's encased, you basically like never have to fucking touch the chain because it's in an enclosed oil bath. It's beautiful. Why is the CT-90 worse? It doesn't have leg shields. I know that doesn't seem like a big deal if you're some, like, 55-year-old dude putting around in Pennsylvania or where the fuck ever, but for a huge number of women and people in, I don't know, business attire all over fucking Asia, that's a very big deal. Okay? Like... Fortunes have been won and lost based on people riding these things across town. People have given birth on Honda's Cubs. Okay. Like the Honda Cub has like brought life saving organs to hospitals. The Honda Cub, there are entire economies based on the Honda Cub. The Honda Cub is so perfect and so much better than the CT90. Honda can't even make enough of them. They have to license them out to other people. There's no way the C the, the Trail 90 is better than the Super Cub. Go
1: fuck yourself.
0: Any other thoughts on that, Swiggs?
1: Well, I was just thinking It's very much conceivable that not only is not only you know it's a given that the Super Cub is like the most manufactured vehicle of all time and like the best selling of all time, motorcycles and cars included.
0: Yeah, take every F-150, every F-250, every every F-350, and every Chevy Silverado, add them all together,
1: not shit compared to sales of Super Cubs. It's possible that a licensed reproduction of the Super Cub is also in the top 10. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So, okay. So, uh throughout this whole thing on Phil's uh redo of the list, he kept saying, "Oh no, you can't get you can't get into the minutiae of why it's better because best is evidently best. You don't have to back it up if it's best." Okay, best-selling fucking vehicle in the world ever. Best. Best. You don't get more self evident than that.
1: Yeah, I okay. don't think there's anything else to argue here. It's, it's yeah. pretty, this is pretty cut and dry.
0: Pretty cut and dry. Okay. So then they got the, both of them got a bunch of things right for a while on these lists. Then we get to a category. I can't remember exactly what the Misfits even called this, but the Misfits declared the winner of this category the Britain. And this is I had been I had been pretty much in agreement with Phil besides the Super Cup, like all the way through this list of things. And then we get and then then the Cleveland Moto guys start taking a huge shit on the Britain, which is frankly embarrassing for them, because besides Phil, clearly none of them were all that familiar with this bike. And even being introduced to it, didn't understand it. And. I don't know, you know, we we talk a lot about things that we don't understand or whatever, but and we say shit that's super wrong and embarrassing all the time, whatever, but they just didn't understand the Briton, and Phil understands the Britain and was trying to say, hey, for all the, the great things about the story and the whatever and the wackiness, blah, blah. But then Phil chose the wrong bike to replace it. He chose a bike that makes no fucking sense. A bike that, to the uninitiated, might seem better or even comparable. But we can explain why this bike... He might as well have picked, like, a fucking potato, okay? He suggested a better bike than the Briton is the MV Agusta F4. I don't see how those are in any way comparable. Me neither. They're both sport bikes, Yes, but that's where the similarities end. They don't have the same kind of engine. They don't have the same kind of frame. They don't have the same kind of suspension. I'm not even sure they have the same kind of ignition. They don't have the same
1: ergonomics. They don't have the same anything. Also, one is a handmade prototype track-only amateur racing bike. The and other... Was, no,
0: no, there was a... There was a like. When John Britton had cancer or whatever, there were, like, serious investors. There were several active Britton race teams.
1: I'm I'm assuming we're talking about the first one. The, you know, the the blue and pink
0: V-1000. Yeah, well, he made, like, 11 of them or something. And, of course, they're all a little bit different because, I mean, the whole project was with this one man. And by the time he died everyone moved to more established homologation models because one, they wanted a bike that was homologated and two, they want to it, rather than backwards engineer the whole thing, even if they could have gotten a leg up by doing that, it was just easier to go with a homologated production bike. Right. Uh, and so the whole thing died with, with, with John Britton and that's just whatever. Anyway, this is a, a V twin, like 1,000 cc, total crazy prototype, and all the, Vit- the Britain V1000s are kind of, they're they're like 95 percent the same. I mean, but everyone was a little bit different. And they're just, it's an unbelievable story. There's a great documentary you can just watch on YouTube about it. And if you're a motorcycle person, it's like, I dare you not to be crying by the fucking end of it. It's unbelievable what this man accomplished. The bike is just so fucking cool and out there and amazing. And the F4 is just a really expensive boutique bike that's not really race competitive in any category or ever was. Right, yeah, it's just a boutique consumer that's actually bike. not true. They used to race them in World Superbike, but whatever it's it it's just not the same thing. It's a much, much more expensive r one that's it it there it there's no crazy story behind it. It didn't um it didn't win anything totally unexpectedly like you know like the uh, the V1000 won the, the 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 Daytona Battle of the Twins that was a serious fucking race in the 90s like it was up against like
1: f- like sponsored teams running ducatis and shit i like, wasn't yeah. it winning up until like the last couple elapsed and the battery
0: died or something they went several times yeah like yeah. like the a couple of years in a row the thing broke down before they could get a result anyway the the bike's amazing um so if you're going to replace on the list something like the britain i don't think anything has the emotional story except uh, maybe if you want another crazy bro uh, crazy prototype v twin racer less you know one of less than 20 or 50 you know non-homologated the harley davidson vr 1000 i suggest i mean
1: yeah, no, i mean it's it's they're it's both sort of
0: unobtainium they're both right. i they're both totally wacky looking crazy 1000 v-twin sport bikes that have pretty impressive performance if you showed up at a track with either of them, people would lose their fucking minds. The, I mean, the Harley has a wow factor just because it's a Harley fucking superbike, right? right. And a serious one. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, a, you know, and then that, that engine turned into the V rod engine, you know, you've got, um, Eric Buell and Steve Shibe button their heads which is a cool story over the the VR1000 um I don't know you, you got there's a story there there's a legacy there I don't think it's better than the Britain, though and definitely not a fucking F4 MV Augusta okay like yeah then you could just say a Panigale V4 is better as well you could say a fucking like uh, uh, you could say a triumph like six a seven six five Daytona is better than I mean what 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 makes the F four so fucking special that it's better than uh, this crazy prototype right it's insane okay I don't know you got any more thoughts I'm just gonna I gotta move on to the next bike
1: <laughs> yeah I I just don't know how those like what category those bikes overlap in. I, it's weird.
0: Yeah. Okay. So then, for just sort of best sport bike, the um, the Misfits chose the Gixxer 750, which is not the worst answer you know to that question I've ever heard. It's a solid pick. I, it, there's a lot of history on Gixxer 750s. The 750 was the premier you know, displacement race class for a while there when one liter bikes were kind of more like hyper tours, like boosts and whatever the, yeah, I mean, there's a lot there and there's a lot of history. I mean, it's the coolest ice bike for starters. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's also just a classic case of Suzuki coming late to the party and then crushing it.
0: Yep. It's all, it's, it's so many wonderful things. So I love that bike. The Gixxer 1000's a decent answer. And then here comes Cleveland Moto suggesting the NR750, which I can only assume they did because it's also a 750. But this is another case of non-overlapping strata. Like, the NR750 almost has more to do with the Britain than it does a Gixxer 750. Yeah. not to mention it's just it's not even a serious race bike the nr 750 was never raced the honda nr the 500 cc version did and it was a 500 cc four-stroke designed to compete with 500 two-stroke twins or or actually some a couple 500 square fours as well anyway but then uh, Phil brought him brought himself back a little bit, and he suggested the R1, which I think is a strong case. Is so so the the Gixxer Seven Fifty is a good answer for best sport bike. The R1 is a better answer. An excellent answer would be the new. Or new last year, or new two years ago, CBR 1000RR R. If you want a fully homologated race bike that is the best specs out of the showroom floor, there it goes. That's it. It's better than a Panigale V4, it's better than an R1. You don't believe me? Check the horsepower, check the top speed. Check the handling. Check the styling. Check everything. Check the fucking price tag. It's the best one liter inline four Japanese or otherwise sport bike out of the box. You want to have the best street cred with your sport bike? You go get a CBR1000RR-R. All the fucking R's. End of fucking story. People might say, oh, well, okay, but the Ducati V4 is sexier. Sure, but when you bust out the spec sheet, your dick's the biggest. Except that's not the best answer. The best answer is that if you have enough money, Honda will sell you a fucking MotoGP bike. You have to prove to them that you are worthy of taking the restrictors off of it and giving it its full horsepower. You have to pay extra money for the crazy metallurgy, for the, like, titanium plus, like, who knows what secret ingredient makes those, those valves work. Uh, you have to, I mean, whatever... who knows how many miles you'll get out of it before you need Honda factory support to keep the goddamn thing running. But hey, if you're just a millionaire and you want a GP bike, boom, boom. Honda will fucking sell that to you. The the Honda RC213V is the best answer if you really want to fucking go there.
1: Yeah, I... I don't know where else you could go. I mean, I mean but out have... of a
0: showroom floor already street legal, the the CBR one thousand RRR, I mean that's that's it. That's it right now.
1: That's best. I think so. Yeah. I mean it may cost you like four hundred thousand dollars when all said and done, but Well that's the two one three V. Yeah. Which is not a homologation
0: and it's also probably going to be tricky to make street legal i bet it's possible but definitely tricky (laughs) um right and then uh the last one that i took issue with is the misfits for some sort of like uh, oh no, no no best harley so the misfits were close they said the evo any evo harley and then um uh, the Cleveland Moto had another solid answer with a twin cam road King, which is a solid choice as well. But my personal opinion on this, and I don't think it's even fucking close. Well, no, 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 no. You and I are in between a toying cost, a toying cot a coin toss on this one. I said a Sportster 1200 might be the best Harley just simply for how inspirational it is. Uh, certainly in North America inspirational.
1: No both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And you actually suggested a really interesting one. Oh, the uh
1: the XR750? Yeah, the evil Knievel bike. Or the bike everyone know. The, the,
0: the, the, I think the bike he was most photographed with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The one
0: he jumps Caesar's Palace with, or mostly jump season's palace with. yeah he did
1: clear it. Just, just the landing was a little bit sketchy didn't stick it no. <laughs> well there's that and it's also just a legit race bike and there's a street and a, a dirt version of it i don't know if it's the best
0: harley i think it might be the coolest harley and since harleys aren't about performance it's it's all about cool factor. That might be enough to make it the best Harley.
1: Yeah. If I
0: just think of how fucking cool an XR seven hundred and fifty is, that's pretty fucking compelling. It's pretty good. I think I think I've convinced my. You're right. It's the Evel Knievel bikes. The best Harley. That's it. Yeah, all the paint jobs are there, like all that cool Evil Can Evil number one stuff. All that uh, it's it, all the 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 stripes. Yeah, that's it. Okay, and then the last category was the misfit said like any Honda seventy, which
1: is fucking weird. Is this for small displacements?
0: I guess like mini bikes or whatever for mini bikes. The be- Um I have a. Th- I'm not. I don't know that I'm ready to. Uh, to say this yet, but here's my feeling on this. Um, Honda's gone off their game on the mini bikes. I I don't I don't consider the Grom and the Trail 125 and the new monkey bike mini bikes. And on top of that, I I think if you're going for like a mini bike. In terms of vintage cool, you can't do any better than Bulltaco. And I think SSR. We need a couple more years, but I think SSR is a is in the next couple of years going to be like like they're going to outdo anything that old monkey bikes or old Bultaco old Bultacos did in the seventies. I think in the twenties ssr is going to have a golden age of mini bikes and everybody and their cousins gonna fucking have one and it's gonna be glorious and fuck you cleveland moto you guys bought a fucking crate of them just to fuck around with you didn't buy a crate of of monkey bikes okay i mean grumpy sewer guy probably got close to it but you know what you bought a crate of SSR mini bikes. Why? Because they're the fucking shit. They're better than any Honda 70 of any time ever. And your weird Super Hawk equals a VTR-1000 equals an RC-51 argument is just complete nonsense. And you knew it was when you said it. So there you go, everybody. Listen to The Misfits. Listen to Cleveland Moto. And then I and Swiggy have finally fixed the list. And I, you know, set everything straight. <laughs> okay. Now we're half an
1: hour in with corrections and admissions. This <laughs> maybe the longest we've gone before best, worst fight. Well, if you're going to have the balls to say like the best.
0: I, um, and you can't if and especially when you like start comparing sport bikes that have nothing to do with each other sorry that's my jam that's my sweet spot okay mm, like <laughs> okay <laughs> whoa you want to, yeah when you start getting into 90s sport bikes I'm gonna have something to fucking say about it okay swigs are we ready to do best worst bike in the world this week Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so here we are. Oh, You had to go a week without it. Now it's back. Best worst bike in the world this week. Here's how this works. Each week we each take a different motorcycle. One to be the best, one to be the worst bike in the world this week. We don't know what each other have chosen. It's always a surprise. Now, just like I reacted to the cleveland moto and misfits top 10 best bikes list you might react to our lists which are lists of one the best and worst bike in the world this week you know it's only for this week there'll be different ones next week but if you really have to get upset about it just send us an email to contact at nocomotopodcast.com. and remember like dr fauci said There's no crying in motorcycles and, you know, wear a mask or something. Get vaccinated. Uh, So, Swiggy, you have worst bike in the world this week. Yes. Awesome. Are you ready to reveal it? I am.
1: Okay. And the worst bike in the world this week is? The Honda CB1000R.
0: Okay, this is going to, like, match up with my best bike
1: so well. All right. So, so CB1000R, for those of you who are not familiar, this is Honda's Neo Retro style UJM. It's their half-assed
0: retro bike.
1: Yes. Now it's interesting that they went with full assing the CB 1100 and not getting it right. And now they've half asked the, the 1000 R and it's somehow worse in, in ways that it seems like they tried harder. Almost. I, I don't know. It's, this is, some weird attempt at at having a classically styled bike but without the accessibility and the broad appeal of bikes like the xsr 700 and 900 from yamaha it's not like the uh the 900 rs from kawasaki or even as like just Authentically classic looking as, say, the W-800. Yeah, for a Neo-Retro, there's almost nothing fucking retro about the goddamn thing. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's... Hmm. It has an almost round headlight? Yeah, it... So... I, you know, whenever you go to any, um, like for for a couple of years, whenever you went to any sort of bike show, or if you went to the track, you know, if you went to like Moto GP or Moto America, like you'd see a poster or you'd see like an ad reel on a big screen somewhere, and you'd see this bike front and center. At the at the Honda tent, like and they're like, "Oh, look at this cool new bike. Everybody's raving about this bike. Nobody's talking about this bike. I don't know who's interested in this bike. I People see a lot of excited moto-
0: about it in Las Vegas at, at aim in Las Vegas for about four minutes, and then everyone walked outside and promptly decided not to test ride one,
1: yeah i I've seen a lot of moto journalists reviewing it and trying to do some sort of head to head between you know the XSR and the the RS and this and then you know in every kind of category where you try and see like people match up and compare bikes, you always end up thinking, what the fuck is this bike doing in the lineup because it doesn't really fit anything. There's also only one R in the name. Like you can
0: take all the coolness of any Honda and either multiply it or divide it, right? Based on the number of R's in the name. I mean an F is you an F can be worth half an R, but the- <laughs> This is a pathetic pathetic showing of
1: R's, right? Well, uh, I would take an X over this R. Well, again, you know the 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 base question is who is this bike for? Because people that can't afford Z nine hundred
0: RS cafes. But again, that's insane because we're only talking like a one thousand dollar difference. If you can, yeah, <laughs> if you this can is swing 13- the thirteen grand, you can swing the fourteen or fifteen or
1: sixteen. It yeah. I I don't know who this bike is for. I don't know what how this bike fits into anybody's life. You know, if if you want to go cheap, you know, if it's if you want to go cheaper, you know, you've got the XSRs and frankly, I think they look better. If you want to go more expensive, you've got the RS. If you want to go a lot cheaper, there's the W800. If you want something more standard, there's a million options. I I don't know whose life this bike fits into. This
0: is going to fit into almost nobody's life until about 14 years from now, when it is going to be a fucking steal. Because, I mean, it is still like 130 horsepower or something like that. It is... Like a one liter big torque monster of a thing. It is like more power than you reasonably need to have. It is fairly lightweight. It is like fucking fast by any normal human's standards. It's going to destroy Corvettes off the line. It, you know, it, but it's just worth too much money right now. And when it becomes ridiculously when like the whole world looks at it and goes oh remember this weird like thing where people are trying to call back essences of the past with futuristic styling at the same time and they did this neo retro branding on everything like when this hits the the phase of uncool that the virago hit right remember how uncool viragos were five years ago and now they're so cheap, there's some people that are like, "I don't know. I could pick up like a Virago 1,100 and be on the road for like 300 dollars." That's <laughs> kind of cool, right? This will hit virago levels of uncool and be such a bargain because it's a it's a CBR1000 motor.
1: I don't know if it is. I think it's a totally different born stroke. I want to say it is. I mean, it might be different
0: jugs, but I mean, it's definitely this is based off that motor. Honda didn't create an entirely new motor for this fucking thing. Mm. I mean, yeah, there's gonna be lower compression. The timing's gonna be a little different. Yeah, there's things, but it's, you know, it's 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 a Honda one liter inline four and it still makes some stupid numbers for the
1: real world. It's true. But nobody has a picture of, you know, nobody has a photo or of, of the CB-1000R as the background on their computer. Nobody's getting right. tattoos of CB-1000Rs. Nobody's getting, you know, a surprise Christmas present of a CB-1000R and saying... Oh, it's exactly what I want. They're not even being product placed in movies. I don't know if Honda does any product placing in movies. No, they no, they must. I mean, like they're I, uh, I They think definitely do with cars. I think for motorcycles, Honda has... Well, ever since Diamonds are forever, I think Honda's been kind of a little gun shy with with product placement. Um, the trikes.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, all right. Let's see here. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else to say. It's just, it's such a hit and a miss. It's It's Honda. Honda, here's my last thing to say about it. Honda isn't very good at having their finger on the pulse. Honda is very good at anticipating what we want. Honda's very good at putting something out that like 5 years later is the shit.
1: Also, I will say this is this is another iteration of Honda completely failing to deliver. You know, this is the company that made the CB750. And somehow they can't figure out a retro bike. I mean, they finally got it together with the Cub, which is basically just a Grom. But
0: well, no, no, it's it's a it's an excellent faithful like reproduction of a super cub with a Grom motor, which is the world's most sensible idea that's ever happened.
1: Right. Although I kind of wonder if they actually did design it or if they just, like, raided a factory that has already licensed the the Cub and just took the Yeah,
0: whoever was making the most high-end version of the Cub under license and they just put Grom
1: Motors in them. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, I have to imagine so because they still can't create, like, They still cannot create anything that captures, you know, that the original spirit of the CB750. Which, you know, the whole Cafe Racer retro bike phase should have been a fucking layup for Honda. And they're still fucking it up. It's true. They are still fucking it up. I... You know what? I figured
0: out what this bike looks like. It looks like the CB1100, but someone took a hammer to it and put a bunch of fucking dents in it. I don't know. And then then they put a weird Chinese aftermarket headlight on it. That's what it looks like.
1: Oh, the CB1100 was a fuck-off huge bike. Yeah. I. Well, yeah. I mean, mm, yeah.
0: All right, should we move on to best bike in the world this week? Yeah. Okay, I'm really excited about this. So, the best bike in the world this week is the new 2021 MV Augusta F3 Super Veloce. Holy shit. This is everything that's wrong with the CB1000R is Right. With the F3 Super Veloce. You seen it yet? Okay. So you don't need to search very, very far for the specs. Because they're right on the MV Augusta website. The MV Augusta website lists the horsepower at the crank for this motorcycle. Now, that might seem odd, except you find me a manufacturer website for any other fucking motorcycle that lists the horsepower on the fucking show page for the bike.
1: Uh, The only one that I can think of that does it, I think, is BMW. Do they? I don't think BMW does, but they might. Anyway. it's
0: a move of supreme confidence from a manufacturer. You want to know the specs for this bike? Here we go. mvagusta.com. ba ba Here we go. So. Do-do-do-do-do-do. The Super Veloce 2021. So, okay. What does it tell us? It tells us the horsepower, which is a very respectable 147 horsepower at 13,000 RPM. Max speed they put in kilometers. I mean, it's fucking Italian. This is this is the fucking Eurozone, right? This is so 240 kilometers an hour, which I think is uh one hundred and fifty-ish, right? Hundred and fifty something miles an hour.
1: It's fucking fast. Uh, yeah, one forty nine. Oh, okay. I was pretty fucking close <laughs> doing the conversion in my head. You've uh, got Google in front of you as well. Okay, I know,
0: but I hate making the clicky noises as much as possible in front of the mic. Uh, so it's a eight hundred cc inline three. It w- they list the weight uh one hundred seventy three kilos which is going to be about, what's that? What is that? 390-ish pounds? 380,
1: yeah.
0: Okay. My conversions are getting better, all right? Uh, 380 pounds. And they also list here, which is really interesting, 13.3 to 1 compression which is very very healthy. And then there's some more tech specs. If you click a button, it'll tell you really every fucking spec on this goddamn thing. It'll tell you the gear ratios. It'll tell you like everything you everything you really want to know. And it should because the thing's fucking expensive. This has All the things you expect a premium bike to have. This has the slipper clutch. This has the shift assist up and down, right? So you can just shift without the clutch. It has a clutch handle for fun, basically. Uh, So if you want to ride it really aggressively at the track, it is set up to do that. It is, you know, it's 12 valve like you would expect a bike like this to be you know four valves per cylinder it is it's part of a really cool new class like like i said we're in a post horsepower world so 147 horsepower is very good it's better than a 600 it's less than a liter bike stock you know because a lot of leader bikes are around that like 170 mark pretty much you know and um a lot of your 600s around that like 116 mark something like that right this is right in the middle right so for super premium you know looking cool on the street sport bikes anymore like we don't need leader bikes anymore because everyone knows you definitely like all the older guys are like yeah i had a leader bike i i don't miss the power like you know i just don't and younger people are like, "Why did anyone ever need leader bikes <laughs> so th- th- like think like a moto two bike right uh, these these sort of like seven fifty to eight hundred inline threes right think about uh some some Yamaha inline three motors. This is kind of an emerging new superbike engine class, yeah." you know in, in the in the the late 90s we we kind of had something like this going on with 1 liter and 1200 you know like twins right v twins there's a yeah. three cylinder version of that happening which i think is really cool because well three cylinder engines are really fucking cool they feel different they you know and when you're buying a bike like this you need it to be different you need to fucking stand out And so this bike stands out because it's an MV Agusta, which if you don't know, it like Ducati is not the Ferrari of motorcycles. Not even close. MV Agusta is the Ferrari of motorcycles. MV Agusta makes the super limited batch. Like you, you know, you can buy one. But you may have to wait for it, right? Their showrooms are like weird, like carpeted, overstuffed leather chair, like cigar lounges are their showrooms, basically. The, I mean, I I don't even know that you can really test ride these things. When, When you buy an MV Augusta, you don't take it to a dealer to get serviced a guy shows up to your house puts it on a trailer they take it away service it and then bring it fucking back that's how this shit works this is
1: this is a ferrari kind of thing right it's yeah, something i hadn't really thought of until now but all of mv agusta's bikes are too good looking to put the MV Augusta badge on them The MV Augusta badge has been growing on me
0: I, <laughs> It's just you know it's one of the like you, like you said the uh, when we were talking about logos in that episode it's really premium to have an out of date logo yeah because because it's a
1: signal that you've just the, the product's been around that long right but even the mv agusta logo looks like some weird like video game vector art it, it do- does it's not- it doesn't look like some sort of medieval coat of arms like maserati <laughs> does or it's, or ferrari it's or anything. Not like, it's not as
0: awkward as like the old bulltaco like thumbs up <laughs> but <laughs> but it is weird um Okay, so then we need to get to what is probably the okay. Oh no, I, I was talking about um, the things you get with this, right? So, um, does it come with complimentary condoms and an eight ball of Coke? Pretty much. So you get all the the crazy electronic stuff, right? So it's got this like uh, traction control system that apparently has like eight points of intervention. So basically, it has traction control that's good enough. That you'll never notice it. Right? Uh, of course, it's all the premium braking. It's all the premium suspension. It's the best of everything. You know, it's like... It's it's like, you know, when you're buying, like, a new Porsche or something. You know, it's like, why would you ask what the suspension is? Because the guy's just going to tell you the, the whatever the most expensive shit you can buy is. That's what's in this fucking thing. Um my favorite thing about the electronics package on this is it has four power modes. Three of them are preset and the last one is completely customizable. So there's three there's four presets of mapping. Three of them make sense and the fourth is just like have fun. Cuz when you're paying when this starts at 21,000 euros, I, I th- so this is a $30,000 sport bike. Uh, 23 and a half. What? Starts at 23 and a half. Oh, really? Oh, I thought it was 21. 23. Okay, yeah. So there's this is after taxes, after all that shit. Th- th- this is upwards of $30,000, right? I, th- <laughs> for an 800- Three cylinder. <laughs> it's not just expensive. It's mind boggling. It's more expensive than a loaded Goldwing, right? And, <laughs> and and that's a very silly thing, but that's a but it's a beautiful thing. So so the the last thing that you're getting with this, and that and this is the most important thing, is the styling. I cannot think of a more timeless looking motorcycle. This nails the Neo Retro fucking thing that everyone else has been trying to get right for close to a decade now. Is this not how it's supposed to be fucking done? It's pretty fucking solid. This is the only bike, the only bike i've looked at where i have honestly gone oh yeah this is equal parts past and future this is timeless this is classic yet this is modern and aggressive and this is the only to me it's so good it's not even a neo retro it's just a fucking home run of a design
1: Yeah, I can't I can't I can't think of another bike or car that kind of nails that aesthetic.
0: Yeah. Well, there is weirdly one with a kind of similar name. There is a company that would take um uh Alfa Romeo Julietas and redo the bodywork in this package that they called the disco veloce and I don't even know okay. that you can get that the, they'll even like sell that to you and let you like package it that way anymore and that was a car that kind of did a similar thing but but yeah this thing is just unbelievably gorgeous from every angle I uh, this is right now my favorite in styling I mean uh, Yeah, I. Oh, it's so good. It's just so good. Someone needs to fucking send a picture of this to Honda. And be like, "Yo, this is how you fucking do it." There, there's a couple weird
1: things about this that it's sort are of. Worth it's you. this weird sort of like Star Wars meets Goldfinger meets Apple meets. Spaceballs, balls like it's kind of all over the place but it just fucking works
0: yeah i mean and, and like i love the f3 the f3 was cool the only problem with the f3 is it wasn't the f4 it didn't really have its own personality right one the f4 has like amazing reliability issues and Who knows? Maybe this does too. I haven't heard they're as bad, though. And the F3 is a very up-to-date, very sexy, very exotic-looking, wonderful... um, wonderful thing. But this version of it... Oh, really... really fucking does it for me. And it's like, um, how do you, hmm. The, the little touches of things that you get with this. So, um, I have never seen another motorcycle that has this weird brace across the top of the windshield, for example. Yeah, it's, um the t- the two-tone bodywork works in like every color. Uh they say it's supposed to be reminiscent of the um of the old MV Augusta race bikes, but like the old MV Augusta race bikes look just like old 60s Honda race bikes. They just look like the old Honda RCs. I, I don't know how it's especially reminiscent of that. I I guess it does have like the two tone bodywork kind of works the same way, but I love this fucking missile look with the headlight. I think it's great, and I, I just all the lines are fantastic. The trellis frame is just fucking perfect, being painted the right way. And then like the F four had that super signature um, exhaust with all four pipes underneath the tail. I am in love with this triple exhaust coming off the side. For a modern like factory exhaust system, you can't tell me that's not a home run. Um, the seat looks completely unusable and uncomfortable in the way that only a super exotic Italian sports bike should. Right? <laughs> Um, it pretends to have a seat that looks like, you know, I, I, I believe you can support the weight of a supermodel on that, (laughs) Hmm. who's the only person that should
1: ever be on the back of this thing. Even Um, just like really, really overly elaborate touches, like the spokes on the wheels. Oh, oh, you want to talk about overly
0: elaborate touches? I don't know, like, who thought this was a great idea, but you know, it doesn't really matter when you're talking about something this fucking expensive. But if you can find a picture of the non-exhaust side, the center hub for the wheel is star-shaped, and then therefore the sprocket. Is star shaped around it. So you can't just put, you can't just buy <laughs> a fucking rear sprocket for this thing. You have to get one from MV Augusta or have someone custom machine you a fucking sprocket that'll fit because the inside shape of it
1: has to be this weird star shape. I just also just noticed that the rear axle is hollow as well. Yeah,
0: I it's all these like one of the weirdly one of the things you get when you buy a super expensive sport bike like this is inconvenience. And you buy that on <laughs> purpose because it's exclusive, right? Anyone can buy cheap and cheerful problem-free miles from Honda, right? It takes a larger wallet to purposefully buy problems like this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you start and if from day one, you're like, "I don't give a shit. How much does it cost? I'll pay you a thousand euros more, just because fuck you, right? It, the, oh, I love it. I think there's a version of this styling that would make the CB1000R work, right? Mm -hmm. But again, you can't have a CBR1000 that looks good like this, because one of the things you're paying for with this is Italian design, is the ability for this bike to look this good today and 10 years from now. And 18 years from now. And 23 years from now. And so on and so on, right? Dad's got an 80s Ferrari. It still looks fucking awesome, right? Because part of the price tag in 1981 or whatever fucking year it is, it's the Magnum PI car. uh, part Part of the price tag of that car when it was new is how much design went into it. To make sure it was going to look awesome forever. Styling expires unless you pay a shit ton for it. And if you're willing to pay a shit ton of money for the styling, something can be cool forever. And this is an example of that. There is going to be a time that a Panigale V4 doesn't really look that cool anymore. It will look cool a lot longer than a CBR-1000 will, but not forever. And that's what you get with the MV Agusta F3 Super Veloce. It is timeless, and that's a selling feature. I don't know. We, We just don't get very many bikes like this you know you get plenty of supercars that are like this but not that many bikes and i love that this exists i'll never be able to afford one if i ever see one in person i'm gonna flip the fuck out uh it's i mean performance wise it's everything you want it to be it's super light it's powerful it's torquey it's got character because it's that three cylinder it's it's so many good things. Um, yeah. I, sh- if you have the means, I highly recommend. Right? Yeah. All right. So should we talk about <laughs> MotoGP then? Let's <laughs> do it. Okay. So uh, we got to get caught up on Portimao and uh hareth. so how do you want to do this do you want to do gp for both races then moto 2 for both races then moto 3 or do you want to do all of Mau and then all of hareth
1: uh let's do all of portamao and then all of hareth okay which class you want to start with uh let's start with uh, moto 3 let's just go ascending order
0: Okay, so, who um, early on in the race, who fell out? Um, well, no, Portemau is where McPhee had to do the, was it, uh, Portamau, McPhee had to start from pit lane and 10 seconds, right?
1: I, I kind of just harass? don't want to talk about McPhee anymore. Okay, okay. I don't <laughs> either. Move, okay. McPhee well, <laughs> doesn't.
0: McPhee is dead to us. Cool. I'm. I'm good with it. I'm good with it.
1: He's, He's getting enough broadcast time. Right. Well, his, I was just going to. I was only
0: going to bring it up to say, you know, of course, like it's uh, okay. Uh, so the big story of Moto three is once again Pedro Acosta showed up and destroyed. Right. So he didn't win the first race but he won uh the second race and then he won Portimão, right? Yes. So this was his second win in a row. Um this kid's fucking hot. And he was pretty much up at the front the whole time just um they people are already sort of comparing his Moto3 debut to like marquez or rossi and thus far that's earned it's very unusual to see a new kid burst into Moto three this way and usually when they do this is what ha- like they're on that tra- more often than not they're on that rossi marquez trajectory
1: well, that's tr- I mean, well, but it's also a very small sampling that we're u- basing this off. It happens so I don't rarely. Know. I mean, here, I mean, we also kind of felt, you know, everyone felt the exact same way this far through the season for, um, like Quadraro, uh, like Quadraro and, you know, Jorge Martin and Betsy, it was a very similar feeling. Yeah, well, also Binder. Binder. Oh, I don't know.
0: I don't know anyone's ever blown up Moto three the way Bender did when he won that championship. People forget about it, but you watch also Danny Ra- Kent,
1: who. Oh yeah. Uh, nobody's talking about anymore. Danny Kent, the the McFee before McFee.
0: Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the.
1: Yeah, Danny Kent, the strong pull, the McPhee that burned twice as bright. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, you're right. It is too early to say, but uh, but like a Cuadraro, like I mean, at this point, I would be comfortable betting that Pedro Costas next two and a half years will go at least as well as Quadraro's last two and a half years.
1: Yeah. Well also keep in mind
0: that Is he um, gonna be a Marquez? Well who knows? But at, we're I think we're at least dealing with a Quadrararo level talent. Which is strong.
1: Yeah. Well also keep in mind uh I I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look it up after this. Um I don't think Quadaro won more than one race. In his first year, and in fact, he might have only gotten like two podiums. Well, Quateraro's
0: big thing was they were getting him into races early.
1: Oh yeah, he no. had a couple like the uh, only reason uh, that, test races, well, yeah. the, the, where
0: he just blew shit up, and then they made the Quateraro rule. Yeah,
1: the only reason Pedro Acosta is in Moto three right now is because they changed the rules for Quateraro.
0: Yeah, you it was it's CEV championship he won, right?
1: It wasn't Red Bull rookie. Yeah. Uh if you win the the CEV 125 um is it the 125? I, I think it was the 250. It might be the 250 or the 125, but it's basically if you're the CEV champion, you the the age limit goes down a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so
0: insane. Um okay uh so let's see also in Portemau, um uh again my prediction my, my whole thing about uh bender um you know uh proved true again bender got like a fourth place or maybe just barely squeezed out third at the end i can't remember exactly
1: uh no was that the one that you crashed out was it Portemau you crashed out uh, he got 20th in this race. Oh,
0: Portamount? No, that's Hereth where he got 20th. Oh, maybe he crashed out and then finished 20th. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Binder uh, instigated, it, yeah, there was an incident that was his fault. And then and then Binder was penalized in Hareth with a pit lane start. Not as bad as McPhee. Oh, There's a group of four of them that had to start from pit lane. And Binder, I think, was the only one that only had to just start from pit lane. And everyone else had pit lane plus additional penalties. Which, I mean, come on. Moto uh, 3. Let, let's talk about this for a second. Moto 3 has been handing out super harsh penalties all, like, at an alarming rate this year. All. I don't think there's been a single race where someone hasn't had to do not just one, but two. I think there's been double long lap penalties for somebody in every race so far this year. I, uh, I feel like qualifying.
1: Yeah. I feel like qualifying is like more closely monitored than actual races at this point. Yeah, half of it's from people just like getting too close to each other and drafting off
0: in in qualifying, which you can't fucking blame them for. If if there is a horsepower and displacement problem for Moto3, I don't think it presents itself in the race. It presents itself in qualifying because these guys are all drafting each other so fucking tightly and then whenever there's a fucking crash like six people go down and they all lose their qualifying times and then race direction has to like slap one of them harder than the others because they just scream is there no justice in this world because they're all like fucking starting from like 20th grid position all of a sudden
1: yeah when more than half the grid is willing to give up a tire swap In order to position themselves for a good slipstream qualifying lap, there's a problem. Yeah. and And this has been going on for like five, six years now. Yeah, I, I I think it's fine in the race
0: because everything's really on the line. But the whole thing to the whole thing with Moto three qualifying right now seems to be who can cheat the best without it looking like they're cheating on purpose. Like who can make it look like they just oh I'm just I just happened to be slipstreaming this person. I totally didn't intend to be here. That's the game that every rider is trying to play
1: yeah it's
0: it's oh it's so dumb Mm, i i moto 3 might have to go to uh, to a
1: super pole there's too many riders there are a lot of riders
0: i mean i mean it's only two laps each uh 450 that is a lot They'd have to start unbelievably early in the morning. <laughs> they would have to be on the track at like 6 a.m. to make a super pole work. Well, I mean, no, I mean, maybe they just get one lap. Like there's, there's regular practice and then boom, you get one lap. Not even an exit and then a flying lap. Just boom. Lights go like, like the Moto E does. Just use the Moto E lights. Yeah. I I don't know another way to do it to get rid of this issue. Cuz I like the the fact that the bikes are underpowered and they're slipstreaming in the race. But I'm with you that it's a problem for qualifying now. Yeah. Like when we're at the point that like more than 10% of the grid is harsh is penalized out of the out of the points on every race now that we've got a broken system
1: it's getting a little silly
0: yeah so yeah pedro acosta bender still has amazing talent he's showing up um I mean, that's really Moto3 right now. It's awesome. I love that Moto3 has a storyline going because all the talent got sucked out of it into Moto2, which has been fucking bananas. So, um, shit, let's talk Moto2 then. Uh, Who won Portimao
1: Moto2? Uh, Raul Fernandez. Oh, that's right. Now, this was... uh, This was a case of a week where a weekend where moto gp looked like a moto 2 race and moto 2 looked like a moto gp race um what was interesting here was we had joe roberts leading for like 70% of the race
0: yeah he only got back to fourth place on like what the last 3 laps or something like that
1: uh last three or three to five laps or so yeah he lost a bit but he had front running pace for
0: almost the whole race it was for a long time because he started in the third
1: row like ninth Mm. grid
0: position something like that
1: ninth or tenth uh he started in uh eighth oh okay well still yeah uh, that's third
0: row uh and, and he fought his way up to the lead and he held it. And like the whole time I was just like, he's gonna fucking crash. I know he's gonna
1: <laughs> fucking crash. Uh what was crazy is um Yeah, you know, when when Kinnett got ahead of it, Kanet was riding it was the most desperate le- when when Kanet took the lead, it was the most desperate leader I had ever seen in my life yeah joe didn't just
0: give it up joe didn't just like have his lap times drop off
1: they had to fucking wrestle that away from him and canette looked like he was going to crash in every turn like canette always looks like he's gonna crash he's not the smoothest rider yeah but now so yeah and, and joe roberts did Fade a little bit at the end, and he was starting to drift back a little bit, um. But then he got barged in on by Remy Gardner, in like the second to last laugh, and uh, it's a little, it's a little, it was. Uh, Remy Gardner is
0: my favorite right now in Moto Two. By the way, I mean,
1: I'm a little, I'm a little bit miffed that he. He got that, took that podium away from Joe Roberts, especially rubbing in a very tight, very questionable move. It was, but it, but it is
0: a racing move. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe you lost give third it to, to fourth he, right he, at the end yeah, there. Like, he had to go for it. Of course he did. So here's here's my, here's why I'm not pissed about it, like, even on an emotional level. On the logical level, it's racing, so you wouldn't want it to turn out any other way, because you know whoever's fastest is fastest, and you want it to be that way you would as much as you would be like, "Oh, I wish I could just wave a magic wand and change the results and have my guy win," you would actually hate your life if you were able to do that right so so that and and then every win that your writer had after that would be meaningless, so one, I'm not upset two. I think it's Joe Roberts' best result, and I can't be upset if he's just had his best result. I know he had a fourth place before, but he also started
1: in fourth. Oh, he's had a podium before. When did he, he have a uh, podium? He had I a third think, uh, last year. I don't know about that. He may have,
0: but I thought that fourth place last year was his best result. And that was starting.
1: Certainly, no, he's at a podium.
0: I, I think this was his best result in terms of, like, not just his best results, like, in terms of grid position. This was his best race. The, um, starting from eighth, leading for so many laps, keeping a front-running pace for so long, only getting that podium snatched right at the last second. This was really strong. This was really strong, in in what we've what we've said is an unbelievably stacked field, right? Yeah, I mean we're talking Remy Gardner, we're talking Bezeki. we're talking Canet, we're ta- I mean, it's didn't we say like the top like the top like eleven places on this grid could win on any random day? Yeah, something like that. This these guys are all. Hot shit, I. The average talent in Moto Two is so super stacked for, and and then at a at a uh, a track like Jerez that so many of them know so well as well, like like this isn't a weird race. This isn't like this isn't Qatar. This isn't Argentina. This isn't Coda. This is a serious track that if you want to put a serious championship run together, you need to be good at. This is Hereth. This is where everyone decides... Well, no, we were still talking Portimao. Sorry, we haven't moved on to Hereth yet. Um, but Portimao, I mean, this is Europe, right? This is not a flyaway. This is not a weird one-off race. So, anyway, I thought it was really great. Um, Remy Gardner, again, putting in those super consistent podiums. Remy Gardner's podiumed in every race so far, right? Uh, I think he got second place twice. Oh, Port- Oh, also commentators' curse. This was where uh, Sam Lowe's uh, got pole again, and then blew it on the first fucking corner. And yeah. this probably makes me a bad person, but I was happy, not because Sam like crashed, because it just it just rained on the fucking commentators parade so hard (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i hate their favoritism i hate it so much i okay all right let's move on to the gp uh remind me who who gp was won by um
1: Oh right, right yeah, yeah, Quadero puts it together in this one. Um I I don't know, I at this point I now almost get more disappointed when Quadaroro wins because it's it's like when Alex Marquez like pulled off that hat trick, you know, uh three It was it two years ago or three years ago? Two years ago. You know, when he finally like had a late season drive to take the the moto 2 championship and you know he wins it one time it's like okay you know these things do happen but we we've seen enough out of alex to know that this isn't really a big sea change event then he wins two more times and it's like ah fuck now i have to take this seriously yeah Well, I, I'm kind of starting to get that kind of vibe with Quadraro just because he's had so many, you know, good season starts. He's so hot and cold. Yeah. And now, you know, it seems like he has arm I- issues again. Like he's got serious arm pump issues. We'll, we'll get
0: to that with Hareth. Yeah. Uh, so, so um, everyone's uh, the, the number one thing that I heard people talking about in this race was he looked like Lorenzo is what everyone kept saying. Right. He just got out there and he put in those laps and he just let it masterfully. And no one really got that close to him. I mean, he yo-yos a little bit more. It's, he's not, a, I don't think the, the, the Lorenzo comparison is that, um, is that fair? Cause I think Lorenzo was, I think Marquez looks more like Lorenzo. Not necessarily in the riding style, but the way he puts lap times in. Like, Mm -hmm. they get out there, and they just keep fucking charging out there. Quadraro yo-yos a little bit at the front, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, and he's also just so hot and cold at this point. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, after that,
0: like, other news, um... Was it was this the race where Rossi announced that he's gonna have his own team next year? Uh I'm not sure. Well, that happened in the last two races. Rossi yeah. announced there's gonna be a VR 46 Moto Moto GP, but yet Rossi hasn't announced his actual retirement. So does he is he creating this team just so he has a place after Patronus kicks him out? I don't know. <laughs> because i think patronus okay uh so so let's skip to moto gp hereth right um rossi's fucking nowhere um quadraro has an amazing early race and then gets arm pump and can't sustain the lap times and just implodes yeah jack miller runs a perfect race which we'll get back to and Then uh, second place was, um, I can't remember second place, but third place is Morbidelli, who does his victory last, beating his chest like a warrior, because he's like, look what I did on the most garbage MotoGP bike of all time. Because Yamaha (laughs) supplies a 2021 R1M for... Quadraro. They supply one for Vinales, who which, who I don't know what he's doing on that team anymore. You want to talk about hot and cold, except almost all the time fucking cold. It's Vinales. And then they have to give Rossi a 2021 bike as well, as a way to apologize for him not being on the factory team. So someone's gotta fucking take an old bike. And it's Morbidelli and he so deserves a better bike than rossi at this point right fucking poor ass fucking morbidelli what what's the guy got to do you know multiple race winner last season like really making shit happen on what is like like the oh anyway so okay let, uh, let, let's 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 wrap this up um moto two moto three okay let's 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 I, you know what fuck it we've talked about moto two and moto three and it was pretty similar in, uh to portamao um let's just end up let's just finish with talking about jack miller's win uh jack miller fucking showed up in her wrath right yeah. I mean, he said it himself. He was running this this really good pace that he thought was about the limit for him. And then he's and he said, oh, but, you know, Quadraro was just running a, a way faster pace. But turns out he couldn't sustain it, right? Mm-hmm. And so it turns out Jack Miller, even though for, what, um, 80% of the race he thought he was losing – uh, was actually running just the perfect race. He just didn't even know it, because there was a huge gap from Miller to um, to uh, third place for a while there. And, mm-hmm. um, but I, I guess there's nothing to say except like, what an emotional win, right? Because he's only won in the wet before, and everyone thought it was a fluke, and. I uh, I don't know I, I I haven't seen someone on the top step of the podium that uh that emotional for a while and have everyone else be so fucking happy for someone to win a race right so I don't know credit where credits due Jack fucking showed up and um and, and no one expected the the Ducatis to do anything at all so okay, <sighs> let's call an end to this one
1: yeah we
0: we can get more into into other g p stuff later, but for now, suffice it to say that uh Jack really fucking impressed me i uh he's got he finally got his dry win, right yeah, no one can take it away from him so uh, this has been episode one hundred and forty something, whatever. We're hoping next week to have something really big happen for the show, but uh, scheduling might get in the way. We'll see. But make sure your phones are turned on at midnight a week from now because something really fucking cool might be dropping okay so yeah this has been episode 149 leave this raising the reviews give weird google feedback do whatever you want to do leave itunes reviews listen to the show tell a friend about the show <sighs> let's remind everyone to stay safe stay tuned keep fighting the dragon and run the outro and i don't want to die I just wanna ride on my motor side, go.